Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Square Ball Podcast. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors, who will do you 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. 15% off the legal fees of conveyancing instructions before the end of January 2022. So don't miss out on that time running out. Dan, Michael and Moscow. If you would like to try out TSB Plus, our membership package that brings you loads of perks, we have extended the free trial offer to a month now. So you can try it on for size for a month and then uh, then dive right in. You get priority access to the match ball after a game. You can watch the live stream if you want to, to enjoy our misery after the likes of playing Newcastle. Um, you get access to the digital copies of all the mags we've done since 2009. You get a dedicated podcast feed with all our podcasts ad-free, extra video, extra podcasts. Loads of stuff. Daily email with all the Leeds United news. Um, discounts on the merch. Plenty to go at. It's at squareball.net forward slash plus and you can get that one month trial there when you sign up. Part one of the show is all about news then and the news right now is that the transfer window is one week. It's one week left or thereabouts, isn't it? To go out to sign someone to get Brendan Aronson because it's going to be him or no one by the looks of it. Do you want him? Uh, yes, I decided this last week having watched um, a 30 second video. And knowing we'd bid for him. I mean, given that we don't have any dedicated attacking midfielders to speak of, really, specialist ones. Put some respect on Matt Click's name. <laughs> it's a nice picture, that. Yeah, Moscow is, uh, if you're listening to the audio, Moscow is holding up a signed picture of Matt Click that he's produced yeah. from somewhere. He just keeps it's, it. Is it in your pocket at all times? It's um, it's on the wall normally. It's when he's playing for VFL Wolfsburg. And I was reminded of him because we were just looking at um, some pictures of Brendan Aronson, who... Um, uh, I don't know who looks younger. I think Brendan Aronson looks younger than young Matt Click, but it's like going back 10 years to get a new version of Matt Click. Brendan Aronson looks younger than Archie Gray on most of the pictures that, that I've seen. Yes, it's a little bit concerning that this is the uh, the new anchor around whom we're pinning all our <laughs> um, midfield hopes. It's That's a almost, boy, isn't uh, it? That's a boy. It is a boy. I almost feel like... Um, maybe waiting till summer is the best thing to do because then we can kind of get our heads around the, the idea that he, he looks like he's never shaved. Him and Dan James, the the intimidating <laughs> midfield. <laughs> he does look so remarkably fresh-faced in that he reminds me a little bit of like Frodo and Sam because he's got the, the messy mop hair and he could, mm. go look, he could go looking for rings, couldn't he, if he wanted to? He has done a lot though. It's one of these things with, um, it seems to be about MLS in particular, because Jackie Harrison had quite a lot of games for New York City before he even got his loan to Tony Pulis's Middlesbrough. And it gets forgotten. I think he's still only 24, isn't he? But he, because he's been playing for us for four years and he was, you know, 21 when he, he first came on loan. But he had a lot of games under his belt for a, a 21 year old in a decent league. Obviously, for the last, um, well, for he, he went to Austria in 2020 and hasn't been playing for a football team since, mm. um, apart from his occasional appearances for the United States men's national team. But yeah, he's been playing for a, a fake shadow organisation that um, I think once we've uh, we've taken Brendan away from them, they should be closed down. Well, just as they closed down um, Austria-Salzburg, for people who don't know the, the story of this, Red Bull came in and took them over, took their badge off them, took the team colours off them, and they became a, a bit of soft drink branding didn't they mm. it became an offence to go into the stadium with the old colours didn't it because um, they used to wear the, the violet 
violet and white, and they still do the uh, the true um, inheritors of the Austria Salzburg history started again and kept the colours and uh, um, kept this. I think Red Bull have now put the old club history back on their website, but one of the moves they made when they came in was just to delete everything that Austria Salzburg had ever done. And um, unforgivable, they are awful, terrible people who, if you were to close Red Bull Salzburg down tomorrow, nobody would care. That's why <laughs> That's why they're not a football club. Whereas Austria Salzburg got closed down and everybody cared enough to restart again. And if Leeds United got closed down, people cared enough to start again. If a Red Bull club gets closed down, you just shrug it off or it's the end of a franchise. So we are much better rescuing young Brendan from there and bringing him so he can discover what a proper football club is like. Why are we trying to keep their whole sorry project going then by offering them 20 million or in excess of that to... Uh, We're not going to pay. Oh, that's fine. We don't actually do it. That's, that is an absolutely fair point. We'll just pull a Jean-Kevin Augustin on them and just not give them the money. And I'm absolutely in favour. We should say we are in that weird hinterland now between the second bid having gone in and we haven't yet heard exactly how that's been received. It hasn't been rejected to the best of our knowledge at the time of recording, whether that changes between now and the end of the window. Who knows? But um, it's a strange one, isn't it? Again, we've done that this, thing of pinning all our hopes on one player. They seem to be saying they want to keep him for the rest of the season, but there's really no point. They've already won the league, more or less. <laughs> They're going to go out of the Champions League to Bayern in the next mm-hmm. round. They're keeping him for two games. Just let him come. This is the sort of entitlement now that I think we, uh, we're, we're completely <laughs> on board with now. And there, are, <laughs> there are strange things to do with his fee because they bought him from Philadelphia Union and doesn't he trigger some extra payments to them if he does certain things in the rest of the season and and how much of a sell-on fee Philadelphia Union are entitled to is also in place. So there's quite a lot of complicated bits in there, but it would all just become much easier if they just gave him to us. Yeah, I think to coin a Yorkshire phrase, stop playing silly beggars and get mm. it done. That's what needs to happen. But he's, uh, he's buggered off to America, though, as he needs to wear on international duty. So that's a complication, but you can still, you know, Fax something to him, I yeah. suppose. The email as well. Have you heard of that? We've got emails these days. They can do stuff Victor, like Victor also got on a plane, didn't he? So what? he obviously is, is not, not happy to do things over the phone anymore. Very I mean, goodness. he's presumably smashed them all up already in this transfer window. So he's, <laughs> he's having to just go in person now. But um, yeah, he went out there, didn't he? And, uh, and Aronson left. Went over the Atlantic to get away from him. <laughs> That's not to say that it can't still be done, but uh, they've got fixtures against El Salvador at home in the States, away to Canada. The old... Uh, What's, what's that derby going to be called? The 50, it's not the 57th parallel, is it? They're playing in Hamilton, which is um, just over the border by the looks of it. Uh, it's not, it's, um, it's close to Toronto, isn't it? I think the only thing I know about Hamilton, and if we have Canadian listeners, please apologise, but I read a book about some serial killers there. That's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So it's the, uh, it's the Tim Hortons field they're going to, uh, colloquially known as the donut box. Tim Hortons is the... Canadian coffee brand that I think They're just open one. opened at Burstall. Yep. Yeah, which um, is probably to Leeds what Ontario is to the United States. I think that might be the extent of our North American knowledge for now. We need education. All I know is I love Canadians. They're great. And I apologise for everything I just said about um, it being like Burstall. And the next time we have a meeting. But then people in <laughs> Burstall are great as well. The next- um, that IKEA is splendid. The next time we have a meeting let's get down to Tim Hortons in Burstall and maybe we could start some sort of movement towards twinning the towns, Burstall and Hamilton, something like that. Yes, in honour of uh, Brendan Aronson. <laughs> right, other transfer... has probably never been to Ontario in his life. Uh, other transfer news now, by the way, then. Young lad at Derby, we mentioned him, I think, in uh, in passing. Jason Knight was linked with us. Um, although, Kinnear was saying in the programme, wasn't he, about the transfer strategy, the stories that sort of back this up. Uh, Aronson is the only one that we seem to want so maybe not for Jason Knight but we will see what happens over the coming week I guess I mean he was cheap and from Derby I think was part of the reason it's like well if they're selling if they're selling shit off we'll see what they've got it's like when you uh, stick your head in a shop when you see a decent sale sign is he young enough for the under 23s I mean he's played 100 games in the championship so it's be a a bit of a kick in the teeth I think (laughs) to bring him in and just you can compete for a place with um, (laughs) With Archie Gray. As Ken Bates used to say, well, he'll be unemployed in a couple of weeks when Darwin Garbage will be glad of the work. Hey, speaking of the 23s, they played at Blackburn 
uh, last night as it is that we recorded this and got a bit of a spanking and it does seem to be that the uh, impact of losing all the first team and pulling all the 23s into the first team has killed the season for the 23s somewhat. I think this was just the impact of them being crap. (laughs) It it wasn't a terrible team by any means. Max Dean was up front. He's quite young, I suppose. He's an under-18s playing up and uh, but the midfield was um, Jenkins and Noah Kenner was in there who was on our bench on Saturday and it, the whole thing was just a disaster from start to finish as a, as a game and almost to the point where maybe best not to draw any conclusions from it I don't know if it was due to how many players have been called up and all the different things they've been doing and them being involved in first team or whatever that's probably for Mark Jackson to try and understand but it was just it was that bad that you needed to just go just we'll see you next week <laughs> I've only see seen the, the highlights game. of it but the defending and goalkeeping for all of them just mm. makes you think oh dear we just kept giving them the ball back and that was it it was like couldn't pass to each other and even simple kind of layoffs would just go out for a throw in and it's like good players doing bad things so that's why you kind of think well maybe it was just everybody's gone Weird for a night. We saw Matteo Joseph, though, or Matthew Joseph, to give him his uh, full anglicised name, in the 23s for the first time. Young striker. Those clips of him in training looked good as well. He hit the ball twice nicely into the goal. So is he ready for the first team? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Angus said so. Angus said that's what we're doing. I don't think he said that we were going to be putting Matteo Joseph straight into No, the I'm just looking at the notes now, team. and it definitely says here... In black and white, we will soon be playing Matteo Joseph in the first Ten teams. minutes in the under-23s so is more than enough preparation. we don't need to sign anyone ever again. Is, he, we, is uh, he great or is he terrible? I want you to tell me one or the other. I mean, having, looks, having watched him for 10 minutes. He has um, significant soccer heritage. Do we know about his family connection? No, I don't think so. No. You obviously don't read the daily propaganda emails that uh, TSP Plus subscribers benefit from every evening so if you are one of the people who reads that thank you um and you will already know this so forgive us for boring you with old information his dad is the cousin of a former liverpool player and i will give you each one guess michael his dad is the cousin of a former liverpool player Um, who is the liverpool player is it are we throwing spanish is it it xavi alonso it is not xavi alonso uh dan one guess uh i'm just having a think while looking back through the propaganda email. No, I wasn't allowing time oh, for this ooh, to happen. Uh, and oh, there's too much stuff. I've got a yeah, filter. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to have to set up a filter to put that straight in my bin because I'm. it's mm. too too much. There's too much good information there for However, simple to like people me. Uh, paying to enjoy it every day, we really appreciate your <laughs> ongoing support. And we couldn't do what we're doing uh, without you. Dan is sitting in a, a, a studio that you paid for. And I love you and revere you and respect you. What? And I'm glad that we get to do this. What was the answer? Your support. What's the answer? Well, you haven't guessed. I don't care. Just say an old Liverpool player. Say Jimmy Redknapp. Uh, have you done Ronnie Rosenthal? Matteo Joseph's dad's cousin is Emil Heskey. Great. Do you know what? I'd heard that. Yeah, I'd, 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 do. I hadn't remembered because it was bad information and I didn't care. It's great information. That's one of the best facts ever about anything. Anyway, LUFC women lost to Anik Town in the FA National Women's League plate. Is Such that, a snappy, snappy name for a trophy, isn't is it? That a, mm. Is that a cup competition then, is it? It yeah, is. It's a plate, it a splits, cup and a trophy. It splits, doesn't it, weirdly? The, is that the one that splits it? If you win in the first round, you go into the trophy. If you lose, you go into the plate or something. It's, it's a weird setup. All the uh, the upshot of all these cup competitions is they haven't played a league game since October, and I think they'd quite like to just play the league games. They are it's surely at home in the next one, and they are promising to do better than they did in this game because I think like the under twenty threes, everything just was bad. Watford sacked Ranieri. What do you reckon? Bringing a some a young vibrant manager, old uh, old Hodgson. Yeah, it probably won't work, will it? A 70-year-old Ranieri out and a 74-year-old Hodgson in. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I put the list of their managers on the prep sheet. It feels like they're just a better version of Chilino, aren't they, really? The the way they run Watford. It, they just managed to get to that land where they just about bounced between the Premier League and the Championship, whereas we were just bouncing around the middle of the Championship with Chilino's approach. It goes back um, to what we were saying on propaganda about um, all the other teams in the bottom half beneath us barring Burnley have changed their managers and that amount of churn it's just not good is it I mean we've stuck to the plan and I know it's making people anxious and maybe we want to do more in the transfer market whatever it might be we want 
Bielsa to be more flexible, but ultimately the stability should see us home and hosed this year, you would hope. There is part of me that's toyed with the idea sometimes, and I'm sure I've mentioned it on previous podcasts, of saying you get rid of the January transfer window and even prevent the option of sacking a manager and you just say, right, everybody, get your squad together, get your coaches together, ready for the start of the season, and then that's you until you've played all the games. Can't sign anybody, can't sack anybody, can't replace anybody. Just make your plan, stick to it. And um, it's crazy, you know, People always talk about football like it's always cut, um, like really intelligent business and how, you know, you don't understand the, the work of a chief exec. All of them know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like the idea that a manager can, can basically know that he's going to be sacked before the end of the season and just really sack it off. Just be like, if you're down, if you know you're not going to be back next season, just be coming in at like two in the afternoon. To, you've missed training. Yeah. So what? Can't sack me, can you? What are you going to do? Well, that's it. You've got to make sure that the person that you select isn't going to be somebody who'll do that. Mm. So it all builds in part of it. And um, it's not just the kind of the, the purity of approach that we all appreciate with Bielsa and that we're probably all really, as Leeds fans to outsiders, like really annoying in the way we regard it. But there is, you know, it's the way he talks about believing in what you do on the pitch has to be absolute because a plan B is like a sign of a lack of confidence in what you're doing. There is something about Leeds at the moment if they don't sign somebody in this window because they think what we've got is enough to stay up is brave, especially with the amount of people who are saying, don't do that, sign somebody. It's kind of brave to say, no, actually, we have confidence in the squad that we built. We said at the start of the season, they'll be fine to keep us up and it's January. We still we still think they're fine to keep us up. They are keeping us up because of where we are in the league table. We're just going to stick with it. And you know the other word that goes along with brave is terrifying. So that's where we're at. But it's interesting to see a team or a club actually doing that. Comparing us to other clubs, then we've had similar incidents um, regarding crushing towards the turnstiles. Like so, we've seen the Chelsea statement that came out off the back of our fans trying to get in there and basically them washing their hands of it and blaming our fans. We've had a similar... Their statement seems mainly to be based upon something South Yorkshire Police um, released some years ago. Uh, Yeah, they basically have said that it was Leeds fans' fault. People turned up late. They were physically and verbally abusive. They were trying to force their way in. They did provide enough security in the police, but it was your own fault. And what you tend to find is under these circumstances that there may be some choice words get exchanged when people are getting squashed near turnstiles mm. and going can you fucking sort this out this is a joke but it's never quite remembered like that is it and you contrast this with what Leeds have done which is to say that they will work with um, Newcastle United Supporters Trust and West Yorkshire Police to deal with what happened at Ellen Road at the weekend which seems to have been we don't know but you know based on the the anecdotal evidence so far um, stuff like the Barco's not getting read on tickets, um, plus presumably the COVID checks might have slowed people down a little bit and all that sort of stuff. And presumably Leeds United will be far more cooperative because we're a much nicer club than Chelsea. How, how dare they criticise the modern West stand? I don't believe there's a single problem with that stand. This It does seem from our end to have a simple common source. All the evidence I've heard from, all the, the stories I've heard from Newcastle fans, it seems the tickets just weren't working on the barcode readers on the, the turnstiles. So they were asking stewards to let them through and they were letting some through and it ended up backing up and nobody really had the authority to to do something. So, and I think most Leeds fans know the experience of having to, you, you know, with the turnstile, you know, the trick of you have to pull it back to make sure it's locked yeah, and then push and then scan and push forward. So we go every week, we kind of know that, that system. Newcastle as well, I think the their tickets will have been printed at Newcastle. So there's that other element. So I think there's a pretty clear from the story so far, identifiable point of failure, which the 49ers were supposed to have fixed by now. <laughs> I don't think, I think we were would, they, we, we would print the tickets, I would suggest, and then send them yeah, to Newcastle. We're, we're, but, surely we're printing the tickets. But I know, okay, I do, I know well, exactly what you mean about but, the, the turnstiles, because I witnessed it about two or three times in front of me on the way in on yeah. Saturday. And I mean, I know it's just one person's, like you say, anecdotal evidence, but I always do. I always give it a pull towards me. So I know it clicks back then scan and then go through because otherwise you can end up getting locked out. Yeah. The, the trust on the Chelsea thing, the trust are, um, have done a good statement on it, basically saying that 
so many people complained about this. You're absolutely wrong. So we're going to fuck you up. We're going to we're going to have a word with the ombudsman and see what he says about it. So yeah, it, the number of people who complained about a Chelsea game it's far too many for it to be a case of people causing trouble. It was very lots of very ordinary match going fans just saying it just wasn't working basically. Yeah, and what Dan said before about Chelsea's response sounds about right where you know people do get angry in those situations, but that's not a reason to not sort it out. Mm. It's like, oh, you some of the fans started swearing and getting angry, so we just left them. That's not good enough. Um, hopefully, that will get a better response from Chelsea in the end, and then the the version at Leeds should have a, a simple solution because they said they just need to rip all those barcode scanners out and sort the turnstiles. Whether it's um, part of a, a bigger ground development, I don't think we can wait that long. I think we all know that they often cause trouble. There are often... Leeds fans having to go back to the ticket office to get another ticket printed because that one's failed on the way in and they can't use it again. So it's causing problems already. And then if it starts to cause safety problems, just spend the money, sort it out, and everything will be better and everything will go away. So there shouldn't be any kind of shade from Leeds on that point where it's, oh, Newcastle fans did this or that. Sort the ticket, the turnstiles out. Hey, they'll have more money to spend soon, will Leeds, anyway, because they've got this warehouse clearance event that's happening at the Pavilion. Um, discounts, huge discounts, kits, scarves, accessories, and much more. Do you reckon that'll be about two-thirds lilac stuff? I'm massively intrigued by this. <laughs> they've never done this before, have they? But it's it, they're moving stuff from the shop to the Pavilion. They've got that much of it to get rid of. Like a jumble sale. I'm wondering. I'm hoping there'll be Macron stuff in it still. I'm going to go down and have a look. I'm picturing just that your, entire room full yeah. of karma gold. Your next, <laughs> your next decade's wardrobe is waiting for you down there, isn't it? Loads of like triple XL karma gold leads away kits, and the um, I want you head to toe in lilac on next week's show. The sort of Dave Hockaday era Macron training polo shirts and stuff as well. That was all absolutely dreadful. If you so, can, um, uh, I am intrigued. If you can pick up a signed photograph of Darko Milanic while you're down there, then <laughs> that's, that's lovely. That might be useful as well, which is what I'm holding up. I got um, I had a bit of an emotional time on eBay, so that's why. <laughs> I had that. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's, you know, who's it's um, Carlton Palmer's uh, autobiography is always filling up space, taking up space in the uh, club shop where other much better books could be stocked instead. I don't think you're going to get anything better than that, are you? Phil Hayes. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. part two of the show normally part three but it's a short show this week we've got no preview so we're just going to do heroes and villains right now then first the ken bates villain of the week award somebody who's really annoyed us in the last seven days and should we um start off with the the Leeds united based nominations and run through those um, well the candidates I'll, I'll run you through some names then we'll pick out some highlights and lowlights uh, rodrigo gets some mentions uh, melier we've also got roberts with quite a few bielsa himself Brendan Aronson as well, not even our player yet, getting nominations for being so close and yet so far. That's actually fewer Leeds-based nominations than I might have expected, but uh, 
let's have a, a rattle through those then. Well, it was it felt like a, a system, as Lee Clark would say, a system failure did the uh, the game with no midfield, which I guess Rodrigo was part of that Roger sinking feeling saying uh, it doesn't work, it will never work. Leeds always need a foreshore bait type player in midfield. I think we did miss foreshore massively, actually, on uh, at the weekend. I think if he was in there or Calvin Phillips, if you can remember, if you still remember that guy, I think one of them in there would have made a massive difference. Rob uh, Conlon wrote on our blog about how good um, Adam Forshaw was on commentary and was saying during the last, uh, as the, the clock was ticking towards stoppage time, was saying that we needed to slow down. And he's saying it's kind of counterintuitive, but the lads need to slow down what they're doing and be more careful because they were just docking stupid balls long. And uh, yeah, it would have been better to have him doing that on the pitch rather than just telling uh, Bryn and Tony about it. I think with with Roberts actually the goal the hit the mistake he made that led to their goal he manages to lose it twice doesn't he in the space of like ten seconds because he's trying to do something with it quickly he's just trying to run forwards with it whereas an actual midfielder there maybe looks to the side and just keeps possession for a second longer he tried three times to get it through to Rafinha first time he turned back second time it bounced off a Newcastle player back to him and then the third time they intercepted it yeah and so he's. It's what he was supposed to do, send Rafinha down the wing. But um, I think twice should have been enough that perhaps just a safer option um, would have worked. I think Adsham probably hits the nail on the head when he says the concept of Tyler Roberts as a game changer, despite him never doing so, which is which is a fair point. He's not a game changer, is he? He's, he's comes on and he's perfectly serviceable up to a point, but he's not going to really do much to, to sway the uh, unbalance the game, as uh, Marcelo Bielsa likes to say. Does Bielsa go for game changers? I was wondering about this. Because I, I always think, when I don't understand what Bielsa's doing, which is why I didn't understand why Gerhardt didn't come on, I always wonder why. I don't just assume I'm, you know, he's fucking wrong. So I don't get why he did bring on Tyler Roberts instead of Gerhardt. But I was trying to think, well, did he bring him on to change the game? Or did he bring him on? Because he said he took Dan James off because he'd had a booking. So it makes you think, if Dan James hadn't been booked, Dan James would have kept going because Bielsa was happy with what we were doing. So Tyler Roberts just comes in to do what Dan James is doing the same. So it's not like game changer, go and be a hero. It's we need to make a change to get him off. You're going to go on and do the same job. So, but when, yeah, traditionally I would, you, you do game changer is kind of what you look to where you think about a bench, but then we should have won it in the first hour anyway. So I don't know. I just, it's interesting. Well, whether this... Bielsa views game changers as, as anybody's job or whether it is just, you know, was, Stuart McKinstry standing up there at the end is like, you're going to be the guy who goes out and just dribbles around them all and t- sticks it in the top corner. And it's bizarre, not bizarre, but it's it's made different because we know Gelhart can change a game, although he didn't. Uh, on that, Craig Robertson, I guess this neatly segues into the criticism of Bielsa. Craig Robertson is pointing out that on 70 minutes when it's not working, the crowd is still behind the team. Imagine the roar if he'd have called Joffe over at that point but it deflated a little bit when it was Tyler over Joffrey. And I, actually, on a human level, I feel sorry for Tyler Roberts with that sort of thing. It can't be easy for him to shoulder that. And he is still only a young man. Uh, I mean, what is he, no, 20, 23? There were no boos or anything. No, no there never is. But it's, not like he, it's, not like he got a, it's not like it was bad. It was almost no reaction, I think, when he was... It, it was a reaction of, oh, okay, that one, that's happening, is it? Right, okay, fine, uh, let's see. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I think the the point that Adshem was making of you know we can't have him as our best option from the bench. I think it, going forward, he's it feels like he's coming. His time is coming to an end here, and he's had it. Obviously, got the new contract, but he's now had a, you know more than half a season to be better, and it's not really happened. So I don't really know what we do with him for the rest of this season. But I think we need to probably be looking for someone better next year. Yeah, well, we'll have Gelhart next year. I think at the moment Gelhart is more romance than reality because I think it's getting forgotten on Saturday that he did come on and he didn't touch the ball for like the first 10 minutes that he he was on. He didn't really have an impact anyway. So um, he had that one really good run in off the left. But apart from that, you know, the whole team had kind of gone off it anyway. But I think what we have seen with Gellhart though is that in his few appearances, he has come on and he's won penalties. He's scored a yeah. goal. He's got an assist. Finished off that brilliant cross from Tyler Roberts at Chelsea. Like, didn't he? He's a little Billy Elliot, isn't he? Little Billy Elliot. Um, electricity but I think my point is uh, he can't do everything himself and I think there's maybe he's being 
bigged up beyond his actual capabilities. And um, I worry about him as well from a, you know, there's two different kinds of pressure of like, does he need to be, this, have this kind of golden boy reputation because there are going to be games. And we've seen games from him this season where he's not done much. And how are we going to deal with that when Gerhardt does come on and doesn't win the game for us? And it's not down, to, and it shouldn't be down to Gerhardt to win the game for us. It was an hour of, uh, well, there was 70 minutes of football before either Tyler Roberts or Joffrey Gerhardt stepped on the pitch, during which time, uh, plenty of time to score a goal. But the point of this section, particularly when we lose, is to take some cheap shots at the opposition. So let's do that, shall we? I mean, the general idea of time-wasting and shit-housing gets uh, plenty of love slash hate uh, from a variety of people. Then more specifically, we've got St. Maximan gets some jip. Ryan Fraser, uh, another Ryan. Ryan says uh, he was limping around like he's in Saving Private Ryan. Too many Ryans for one sentence that. And has lost a limb when really he's just a sea bomb who abandoned Bournemouth in a relegation battle and failed upwards to a shite side with his old pal Eddie. Prick. Although he did piss off Eddie when he left um, Bournemouth, didn't he? A little bit. Mm. He was uh, he was a little bit unhappy. On the time-wasting thing, I did notice there were... I think they went down a couple of times in the first half and it was very obvious there was no movement on the Newcastle bench. You know, normally if someone kind of has is down for a minute having treatment, normally someone will go out and warm up because they're thinking, oh, he's probably injured here. Maybe I'll have to come on. Clearly it was part of a plan because they were just like, no, everyone's, everyone's, everyone stay sat down. This is just a thing we're doing to take the sting out of it. And that was, I know they did have a couple of players go off injured, but it was telling the thought that they would, there was absolutely no concern for, for some of their players when they were down injured. Or oh, they just hate Joe Linton. It is a funny uh, under like plot or a secondary plot of how many of their players we injured because they were trying to chase after us. Like Dummett just got so torn up or tied up by Rafinha that he ends up pulling his hamstring and going off. And that's funny. <laughs> uh, I how- hope it really damages them. And on the injuries, did you see Rodrigo booting the ball into the cheese wedge? Yes. Near the end when yet another player went down and he just grabbed the ball and tried to boot it as far out of the stadium as he could. I think the frustration probably got the better of Leeds. I was saying that about um, Llorente messing about in uh, Newcastle's dugout trying to find a ball as well when there was another ball on the pitch and the game was going on. It's where Forshaw could have helped too because we needed, not just because he's Scouse, but somebody to calm it down. Calm down, <laughs> lads, calm down. Um, but nobody was uh, was calm. Should you stop games for cramp? Because essentially, if you make the opposition have cramp, it means you've sort of done the job on them in that you've tired them out. You know, and if it, if it was boxing, you don't say, "Oh, look at him; he's really tired. He's been hit loads here. Just give mm-hmm. him a give him a minute to get to get better. He just needs to live. You've hit him too much there. Whereas because they was they were going down so much towards the end, you think, well, we should be allowed to play on with them. Their players just out of this game because they're too tired to play football. I mean, that goes back to the Aston Villa Bielsa's beautiful fair play goal where what's his face injured himself trying to foul Liam Cooper and then all the Villa players oh no well no he's down he's down injured you've got to the only fair thing to do is kick the ball out it's like, no he's it's his own stupid fault um <laughs> and yeah it's uh, it's such an easy way to stop the game and the ref needed to dish out some bookings I don't think the ref's got any nominations in fact but not even booking their goalkeeper I think mm. the only player who got a booking for time wasting was Dummett, which was because he was taking a long time to go off, getting substituted, which does nothing to stop it happening on the pitch. So he needed to uh, to be strong in the face of that. Uh, Howlin' Rick in the comments um, from our TSB Plus members, he says that we are the champions, champions of footballing morality, which I think is the right approach to take with this. Um, lots of annoyance towards St. Maximum for uh, diving and throwing himself around. Although it did cost him when it came to the the penalty, as we were saying over on um, on propaganda, had he not been throwing himself around and being such a, a moany little bitch, I think he's described as in one of these comments, then he might have got that. But um, mm. was it a clear and obvious error? No. Yes, <laughs> probably was. But um, never mind. I wonder if the conversation on VAR was um, had anything to do with well, wasn't he chasing after you, calling you every name under the sun? uppercutting the air as if he was going to chin you 10 minutes ago. Yeah, that's him. Should we give him the penalty? Nah. Or as Luke points out, um, was it because he had bandages on his arms to pretend they're broken? <laughs> is what his uh, explanation is. Uh, on to Shelby. Shelby gets a few mentions. Uh, I mean, people picking out his appearance, which is, again, very the cheapest of shots, but let's do it anyway. Uh, Don't bald shame him, man. Don't bald shame him. I'm not going to do, but um, there are people... He's, he's a lot bold. He's bolder than me, though, isn't he? Hey, ah. listen, listen, a willing hamstring donor... 
picks him out for looking like Voldemort. But at least John, um, John Joe Shelby has an actual nose, whereas Voldemort doesn't. He's just got two little slits, hasn't he, on the front of his face. So, you know, who's the real winner there? That's the question. And and Jelly um, suggests he needs to F off back to Transylvania uh, rather than floating around like a Premier League Nosferatu. Yeah, I mean, I'd give him some credit for celebrating in front of their fans, at least. It mm. feels like it's the first time someone's scored in front of the cop in a while and not immediately run into the corner and acted like a dick. He celebrated properly, so I guess I'm giving him some credit for that. He also managed to get some maniac, I forget which newspaper it was, but um, they made the link to Gareth Southgate being at the game watching. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe somebody who uh, might have uh, unexpectedly impressed the England manager. <laughs> Wow. How old, is, how old is John Joe Shelby now? I think he's about 28. And also, how's he going to cope in Qatar at the World Cup? I mean, it'll be bad enough. It'll be a test for him. Uh, warm weather training in Saudi Arabia. They'll need to put a, a hat on him at least. 29 years now is John Joe Shelby. At the end of February, he will be 30. I think that's just around the same time Jack Charlton made his debut for England and he won the World Cup. So anything can happen. He was also pretty bald. So maybe there's a, there's a storyline there. Shelby, the new Jack Charlton. It's, it's the storyline none of us saw, but maybe so. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, and finally, quite a personal nomination, Boney M's wife gets a nomination by Boney M. It says, uh, my wife, every time we lose, I have to come home and pretend to be happy because if I show any sign of being annoyed or upset, I get the classic questions. And the, and the examples are given as, I thought Newcastle was supposed to be rubbish. Why don't you spot someone better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think Boney M, do you not come home and pretend to be happy all the time? I, I didn't even pretend to be happy. I just came home and sulked <laughs> and continued sulking through Sunday and probably still am sulking today. Uh, similarly, I, I buried it all deep, deep down on Saturday, which is why I felt quite philosophical in the wake of it. Sunday, I was annoyed. Monday, mildly irritated. Yeah, I think it's just about gone now, I think, as we sit here on Tuesday lunchtime. Moscow, I've just been watching, has, has gone off to get something from the other side of his room. So I'm intrigued as to what he's coming back So I mean, It looks here. like a book, which won't necessarily work on the audio version, but... What is that then? It's a long playing record. Of Bo what? The, um, Oceans of Fantasy. Oh, lovely. 99 pence from Oxfam. And this, <laughs> it's, uh, it's gatefold. And then not only is it gatefold, it's quadruple fold. Look at that. That's very wow. nice. But we can't hear you now because you're behind the gatefold. <laughs> which, which one of these people is Boney M's wife? All oh, right. Okay. I see what's what happened here. From. There they are. The references to Boney M, did that come from a Q&A that we did where Moscow was discussing um, dancing around blew, his room to Rasputin? He, he, he blew his speakers to li- listen to Rasputin, was, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, was where this originated. That's um, Strutting around like on, Mick Jagger. That's on Night Flight to Venus, it's not on this album. This album. Oh, really thank you for the correction. Right, Who's your villain? Melier did get a couple of nominations as well, we should say, yeah. for his, um, Biscuit Kevin, for his uh, yeah. yeah, Chris Packet wrists, it's yeah. described as uh, the best Bailey Peacock Farrell impression I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't great, it, was it? it? It's probably telling that he only got a couple of nominations after that because everyone's just gone, well, he's been good generally, hasn't he? He made a couple of really good saves in the game, actually, as well. It was, but, a, uh, was a very poor error for this. I didn't realise how bad it was until I saw the replay mm-hmm. of the goal. Uh, that's, that is the only thing I've seen since of this game. I refuse to entertain the rest of it. Anyway. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there was. Moscow said on the match ball, actually, he thought there was a little touch, and I didn't think there was, but I think there probably was, having seen a replay. Or at least there were people putting their feet near it as it was going. So he's, he's probably well, second-guessing it. It's, it's like, all academic now. It was shit, wasn't it? That was about the our, uh, our line of disagreement was more about whether he could see around his wall. And looking at it again, I think he's, he could probably just about peer around Stuart Dallas's shoulder and see the ball, but it's not a great view of it. And then the first thing he does as Shelby's is running up is he takes two hops to the right behind the wall and then the ball comes to his left. Yeah, because actually you you were saying on the match ball, weren't you, Moscow, that you want him to line the wall up on one side and then stand to the other side of it, which he did, but then it was the movement that killed him, wasn't it? Because he had to change direction twice. He was really on the line. I think you'd have wanted him, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I would have thought you'd start about another, like a step further to the left and get a better view of what was happening. But then whatever whatever view he had, he lost it in the run-up by moving to his right. I think he expected Shelby to be dinking it over to his right-hand corner. Instead, he went low to the left post so he got um, yeah he got done but um, I think the only thing you'd say about Melier is that's two free kicks now that you've looked at him and you think uh, you could do better but it's kind of if that's the one thing that needs improving in his game it's pretty easy to do Marcus Abad get on it that's what we're saying right okay pick a villain of the week who is it is it the concept of time entropy (laughs) 
Newcastle shuffled us all. We all got older watching that game, didn't we? So for yeah, stealing our stealing our youth. Fair that's, enough. It's, it's long. It's long gone, hasn't it? To just to honest, keep but... uh, just to keep John Joe Shelby alive. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Let's do the uh, Gatana Baradi Hero of the Week award now. Then somebody who's done good uh, good for us over the last seven days. Um, we've had a few nominations for none of the above here. Um, Kevin just said nope, <laughs> which I enjoyed. <laughs> Not doing one. Uh, Boney M. Don't need to get another LP in Moscow, but um, yeah, no one. Life is horrible and will be for two weeks until I can replace this embarrassing loss. Stewing on it for a fortnight. Or another horrible loss. Yeah. Uh, and jo- yeah, Joe simply asks, do we have to have one? Well, we don't have to, do we? If we've been that annoyed, but I'm sure we can find something. Uh, let's go through the, the Leeds player nominations. And Stuart Dallas gets nominations. Daniel James, Luke Ayling, Matthias Click, uh, Joffe, Urente, uh, Cockstrike Urente as a trio. Um, Rodrigo, mm. for sure. Who else have we got? Then Jackie. So quite a few. I mean, Foshaw didn't play, did he? Which is um, quite an achievement. But yeah, West Ham Ralph just saying how much we missed him. And it's it was a good good idea to get himself out for a game after his new contract, just so he could be like, there you go. That's why you needed me, even though I'm not available. Good. Uh, I'm quite enjoying the way we're going about Daniel James as well there. Kit saying, um, I thought it was exceptional. It's not his fault he's playing out of position. The little scum bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Scrooge, Scrooge McCutch, Dan James, a little scum bastard, was doing good running things, so that's all good. Also, people point out that he must be an annoying fucker to play against, which is which is very true. Did you see his foul on um, Dubravka? You know the one he got booked for? <laughs> it was it's good. Quite, he, left, he left his leg in, didn't he? It was quite bad. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh... I, there's a, I have a little... Uh, there's two ways with Dan James. I love him when he's do, putting those tackles in, but if he's just going to get booked every single time, and that one, I think it was borderline. mm it could have been worse than we don't need him suspended because then Tyler Roberts will start and then people really will get upset. So it's kind of maybe cool it down. His tackle on uh, Trippier right at the start of the game was brilliant. I really enjoyed that one. Although yep. it did mean a three-minute pause while they pretended the ball had gone missing. I must admit, during the course of the game when when Dubravka went down, I thought, ah, oh, he's just killing a bit of time here and trying to get him booked because that would have been in context. But no, he, the, like, he fly, does like a flying knee into the side of his thigh, doesn't he? Yeah, you don't well want done. that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we do want I that. love it. I won't love the suspension. Um, and uh, his recovery run as well. Gary Furnival points that mm. out. It was that proper sound effects moment, wasn't it? This is the thing. He gives us a lot playing at a striker, but then it's just finishing off the chances. I mean, he could do what that do as a winger as well, it? couldn't he? He could do the chasing down bit, I suppose. You just but need not, to... But then because it's man-to-man, he's chasing down the full back so it's different as the nine has the responsibility for the two centre backs mm-hmm. and the goal pick keeper so it's it's a different dynamic and it seems to suit him but it's just the um, the finishing touches that uh, that don't suit him but then just let the other players should just score just returning to the theme of nobody winning this the only decent candidate that Nathan could come up with was Meatloaf uh, who sadly left us this week and says none of those pricks on the pitch deserve a nomination so might as well go for the recently departed big fella It'd be it'd be unusual, I think, to give it to to um to a, a recently deceased singer, but um maybe I think Dallas was the fallback option actually for a lot of people because uh, Howling Rick saying with no clear and obvious hero, Stuart Dallas is the uh, the everyman hero, which is about right. Yeah. And we as uh, as he pointed out as well that he he did clearly injure himself and just go nope, it's fine, mm. it's fine. I'll put my I'll just hold my arm together for the rest of this game. If it, even if it is flopping about. Did get some good feedback on my impression of Stuart Dallas on the match ball, my Northern Irish accent. Um, Graham Smith, obviously of Northern Ireland, um, suggested he would report it to the police, probably as a hate crime. Um, so okay. that's good. Is that, is that good feedback, is it? Well, um, in, over back in the, the villains bit, I think it's uh, Philip who said, Judy Dench gets a nomination uh, for villainy for the worst fucking attempts ever at a Northern Irish accent. Made Dan's impression of Dallas on the match ball sound plausible, so it did. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think he'd been to see Belfast, the... Um... Kenneth Branagh film, I think it is. Is it a comedy, that? I, th- I wouldn't have thought so. Right, no. Don't think so. Um, a bit more gritty. A bit grittier, probably, anyway. I've no idea. Jackie gets a nomination. Uh, Uncle Uncle Al's service crew is the name Is the name attached to this one. Thought he did enough in the first half. If only I, we had someone to finish the chances he was creating, um, which is fair enough. Although, of course, as Alan Shearer told us, he was firmly in the pocket of Kieran Trippier, who is the greatest Newcastle <laughs> future captain you will ever see let's talk about Newcastle actually 
because um, there was one Newcastle fan in particular at the top of the away end who got some uh, love from Luke who said that this person had a flag and it says on it BMX for sale, number four, and then um, 42 quid, as in number 42, and then KWID, nice wheels, and a contact number. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> I like it, says Luke. That must be a reference to something. If it, Moscow, Piker Grove, tell me. Tell yeah. me who sold the BMX for 42 he's quid. Thinking, he's thinking Biker Grove or likely, lad, something like that. Um, it seems to be a Newcastle theme that they've been taking these flags to games since, by the looks of things, 1997. Oh, there you go. So it's a tradition. There is a tweet from Football Away Days. Newcastle United at Monaco, 1997, BMX for sale, 42 quid ONO, 01912014900. Very good. Give so it, it must be a thing that they do. Are they, uh, I don't want to commit another Irish hate crime here because we've got another one of those Irish names that looks terrifying to me because it's got A's and I's and O's all over the place, some accents that I'm just not going to tackle. Fjachne, I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. According to Google, <laughs> I did, uh, which may also be completely wrong. Um, and the surname? O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> you said that with such confidence and aplomb there, Michael. And either way, that person... So, so I put, I'm so oh, sorry, Brown, by the way. To I know, I know we've got Irish listeners and viewers. It's very difficult. It is. Um, we're we're just English simpletons, aren't we? We're not culturally attuned to to the uh, the Gaelic names, but they want to uh, praise the ground staff for the pitch looking good, which you'd expect. So at a million and a half quid or whatever it was for the grass, and then the rest on top. So grudging, Dan. Come on, they've done a good job. You can't be like, well, you bloody should have done for that money. Put your <laughs> Put, put your, your forks and spades in the bin because you've made that good by cheating. Michael. They bought it, haven't they? It's like Ma- Man City. The success is meaningless because they've spent that much. Michael, you know your back garden, nice back garden that it is. If you'd mm. paid, let's say, a million and a half quid to have your back garden done, you'd expect your grass to look nice after, what, a few months, wouldn't you? I'd probably have moved house rather than if I had a million and a half quid as opposed to spending it on a lawn. But imagine you, you were given some money in this and you can only spend this on your grass. It's a special grass inheritance you've got. You've got to put <laughs> your lawn right, yeah. and you can't spend it on anything else. But who are you entrusting? Like, what are you spending the million and a half quid on? Is it just the grass and the turf itself? Or is it the expertise of the people to handle and install correctly your million pound lawn? Because you could give me one and a half million pounds worth of grass and tell me to stick it down mm. in Michael's back garden. Full of dandelions within a week. Absolute <laughs> mess of it. It would be a disaster. <laughs> so you've got to respect the the work of the people who can take on the responsibility and have the expertise and the skill that they must have trained and worked along many years of study and experience to be able to handle a one and a half million pound pitch restoration. So yeah, don't put are, off the ground stuff down. They've got shovels, they've got forks and they've got a well they can throw you down. So <laughs> to be honest, on their right side. full time on Saturday would have happily gone down that well. <laughs> Should have put a slide into it for anyone who wants the Wants to go down. Big doom slide over in the, in the northwest corner. It's all become too much. All right, then, fine. I enjoyed your pitch as well. It's holding up well. Better than last year. Your pitch. <laughs> your enjoyed fancy, your pitch. Your fancy pitch and your drainage. Well done. <laughs> no, it's looking great. It has to be said. Go on, then. Who, who are we going to have as uh, Hero of the Week? I mean, the ground staff. Dallas. Dallas, got, Dallas just about... Well, Dallas and James both got the equal... To, Volume of nominations. I mean, think Dallas, it seemed like he was risking a broken arm with the way he fell. Um, and I can only imagine he was saved by the soft cushion <laughs> of the uh, the turf that he landed mm. upon. So maybe it's just it's, a big uh, sand, it's a big sand pit, is professional turf, isn't it? It's just got the, loads of sand underneath it. Um, for so. saving Stuart Dallas's precious forearms. Oh, well done. You put some sand down. Very good. <laughs> and also to kind of redress <laughs> the balance of this uh, completely unrequired, unnecessary attack. Um, but I should say, um, I think I think the pitch looks great and I'm really proud of the work that you've done. And I was fascinated, well then, by, fascinated by following the pitches during the summer. Well, there you go. For a summer of pleasure and a winter of quality grass, why don't you support your claims to be able to tolerate <laughs> our ground staff by nominating them as, as heroes and giving them the award? Uh, fine, whatever. Yeah, okay. Well Congratulations. done. Congratulations. I love your turf. That's, that's all we've got this week. We've got the turf is the high point of the week. Wow. But he didn't do anything wrong, did it? That's the thing. No. I can think of no real criticism. Definitely not responsible for all those hamstring injuries. It's like the old, the old joke about why is the pitch so good? It's because they put tons of shit on it every week, etc. Hey, there we go. Uh, is that it for this week then? 
Yeah, I'll do, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's forget this ever happened. Well, Let's go and watch Brendan in action for the USA. See how good he is. Yeah, and then when Against we, Ramon Nunez's Honduras. And then when mm. we don't sign him... Um, and we record, let's have a look. Oh, we're recording the day after uh, the deadline closes next week. So we'll have a full non-transfer roundup. And we can talk about the grass even more. I think we should do a full 24-hour live stream of not signing anyone um, <laughs> prior, to, prior to this. Matt Smith got a move, didn't he, actually, in Moscow? Mm. you see that? He's gone to uh, Salford City joining... Uh, do you know who else plays for Salford City who used to play for us? I'll give you one guess each. It's not Scott Wotton, but he's who I would have gone for. Borthwick Jackson. Again, if you read propaganda like our excellent and valued TSP Plus subscribers, you would guess this immediately, that it was Tom Elliott. And not only Uh, that, but he scored the only goal in a 1-0 victory over our hated, bitter rivals, Port Vale, a few uh, days before Matthew Smith joined. Just realised we've neglected to mention the 49ers' victory in the playoffs, because they won, didn't they? They beat the they Packers. Can have, they can have a mention when we win. I'm not. I'm not dedicating any times when we've lost. Mm. <laughs> it means nothing to me. <laughs> but it's good, though, isn't it? Because if they're in a good mood, they might say, "Oh yeah, go, go on. Here's an extra five million. Go get X, Y, or Z in your transfer market." That's how it works, isn't it? Probably, yeah. Okay, right. Um, well done, 49ers, and good luck in the next round of the playoffs. I think that's next weekend, isn't it? So we can get consumed by that because there's no of our version of football. I, I mean, I can tell you now, I'm not going to get consumed by it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, happy bunny, aren't we? Right, well, we'll wrap it up there for this week. Then cheers for watching. Cheers for listening. See you next week. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.